everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. The podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hey, let's talk about movies. All I'm right, excited. let's talk about movies. It's snowing, yes. snowing outside. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I'm, yes. I'm ready to talk about some movies. Just got home from work, drive from Lancaster to York. In the snow, felt like I was on the Millennium Falcon, so I'm ready to go. All right. Ah, we got a great show in store for you. We are going to preview uh, the 2022 slate of movies. We are going to talk about an interesting encounter between Tom Cruise and the Ohio State Band. That's an interesting one. I am going to make Rob try to guess the top January releases of all time. And, of course, our watch list. All right, Rob, let's kick it off. Here we go. Uh, So IGN uh, just put out a list of the 58 movies they are most looking forward to in 2022. Uh, So because... Uh, We were in a new year because there wasn't a lot that came out in the box office in the last week. I thought this would be a good week to take a look at upcoming movies. And there's a lot of stuff in theory on the slate. It should be a pretty packed slate given all the movies that have been pushed and delayed and all that chaos. Uh, So we're going to start out with, and we'll link to the full IGN article that has uh, all 58 of their, uh, their movies to look forward to. But we thought we would take five of them each to uh we'll go back and forth on this and uh pick out some of the movies that we are most looking forward to and give you a little bit of preview of that how about that rob that work sounds good to me all right why don't you go first on this one so i picked movies that i I don't necessarily think are going to be the best ones but the ones i'm looking forward to the most because there's a difference there is. Because I'm sure there will be a lot of movies that are way better than the ones that I say I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure I'll enjoy watching them. But man, there are some like beautiful, like right in my wheelhouse, <laughs> probably going to be garbage movies coming out this year that I just I can't wait. Um, top of that list, Moonfall. Moonfall, mm. Roland Emmerich. Yes. Uh, this dude knows how to make a movie about the end of the world. Yes, he does. And I I love watching large-scale destruction of the Earth. I don't know <laughs> why, because the movies are almost always awful. But, I, man, I can't get enough of watching the oceans rise and drown everyone and volcanoes erupting. And apparently this time the moon is going to fall out of the sky, so that's a new one. I'm pretty sure it will impact the tides somehow in the movie. Um. Yeah, so so there's going to be a lot of water. Looking forward to that. Do we need to have a counseling session about your nihilistic tendencies here? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing I'm sensing some something deeper coming out already. Yeah, probably. You know, I don't know. Just get me <laughs> off this earth, you know. I don't know. Um, I just I think I think the thing I love about it is that it's like it's like a mixture of sci-fi and action that mm-hmm. i don't i don't know because we all wonder what would it look like yeah if like the earth exploded basically what would it look like if the seas rose to a level that they were 
you know, drowning the entire world this toast is coast or you know there's there's so there's so many movies like this dante's peak 2012 greenland came out last year mm-hmm. um armageddon like i'm just a sucker for this kind of thing deep impact obviously yeah um i just i find them fascinating and i think it's because every once in a while i just like to go watch a movie and completely turn my brain off mm-hmm and this is the perfect movie for that. So, Absolutely. yeah, looking forward to Moonfall. Yeah. Yeah, Moonfall is a good one. That, that almost made my list. I will probably definitely go see it. Uh, so the first one for me is Operation Fortune. And uh, this, is, this comes out January 21st, and it stars Jason Statham and... Uh, it is a Guy Ritchie movie. So you get the fifth yeah. collaboration between Jason Statham and Guy Ritchie. Uh, also, Aubrey Plaza, Josh Hartnett, Hugh Grant, Carrie Elwes. Uh, lots, of, lots of cast here. And so Statham plays a super spy, Orson Fortune, whose team of operatives must recruit Hollywood's biggest star, Danny Francisco, to help them on an undercover mission to stop a billionaire arms broker. So all you had to tell me is Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham, and I was there. I was instantly interested, and um, I, I, I just enjoy I enjoy the way uh, Guy Ritchie does movies. And even the ones that are not, like, quote, the typical Guy Ritchie movies, which would be, like, The Gentleman, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, uh, Snatch, those would be, like, your typical ones. Uh but he just has an interesting style of filmmaking that I really enjoy. And, and between him and Statham, it will be good. There will be actions. People will get punched in the face. I love it. Yeah. I, I talked about this on a previous episode at one point that there are certain directors who kind of are the pinnacle of different aspects of directing. And I think there's definitely an argument to be made for Guy Ritchie being the pinnacle of ensemble cast mm-hmm. interaction. Absolutely. Being able to fit in and give enough life and story to each person in the story. Um, last year's The Gentleman was definitely a really good example of that. And like you said, kind of like a typical Guy Ritchie movie. And man, I'm always up for some Jason Statham. So <laughs> give me some of that. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. <laughs> All right, next on my list, uh, one that I'm actually looking forward to that's a little more serious, uh, Death on... With Kenneth Branagh reprises Hercule Poirot. Um, he, he did, uh, he played the character in Murder, in the, Murder on the Orient Express, which came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the Agatha Christie detective, Pro- yeah. Poirot, however you want to pronounce it. I don't know how to, so you go ahead. Um, some people have said that he's not their favorite version of the character as played by some others, but I enjoyed how he portrayed the character Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking forward to seeing what this one does. Uh, Gal Gadot is in this one as well, um, along with several others. Um, Russell Brand, very interestingly, is yeah. in this movie. And not playing Russell Brand, which I'm praying every other movie he's been. 
forward to seeing what they do with this one. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, this one was on my list too. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this. I really, really wanted to see it because this was one that almost came out in in uh, mm-hmm. September 2020. And, and then they pushed it to December and then it just kept going. It kept falling down the train. Uh, so I'm looking forward to finally getting a chance to see Death on the Nile. Excellent. Well, since you took that one, I'm going to go with my next one, which will be Bullet Train uh, coming out April 8th. And this is uh, this is from the the uh, from David Leitch, uh, who was involved in John Wick and Atomic Blonde, two very cool movies that I am a big fan of. And this stars Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock and a bunch of other people. And it's based on a novel, uh, Maria Beetle. And it's about five assassins end up on a Japanese bullet train and realize all their individual assignments are interconnected. Hmm. So lots of intriguing assassination plots on a train going real fast in Japan. What's not to love about that? Brad Pitt is an assassin. That's interesting. I'm curious to see Brad Pitt as an assassin. That's a, that's a little bit of a new role for him. I'm curious how he's yeah. going to pull that off. Well, he usually pulls things off, so I would not be surprised if he does well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because, uh, you know, there, there's kind of the two type of assassins. You've got the assassins that just kind of like are nobodies that blend in, that do a great job of, uh, you know, being invisible. And then you got the ones that are kind of so out there and so outlandish that nobody really, I mean, they just are who they are. I'm wondering which, which reign he's going to fall under because Brad Pitt is kind of hard I mean, he's great job playing his individual roles, but he's still Brad Pitt. <laughs> so I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm also looking forward to Ambulance, mm, which yeah. I'm fairly certain is not going to be a, a good movie. But I'm looking forward to this. Have you seen a trailer for Ambulance yet? Uh-huh. I saw one in the theater the other day. Yeah. Um, this movie is directed by Michael Bay. Yes. And this the trailer my goodness (laughs) this movie looks like a michael bay movie from the 1990s yes it does i i just cannot i cannot even i can't wait to see this on the big screen because we have talked before about how that that 90s style massive destruction craziness zany humor kind of movie is not around yes as much anymore so i am very fascinated by what this will be like um i really i don't think it's gonna make a ridiculous amount of money or anything but i do think that there will probably be a lot of people like me who and you who go out to check it out because of the nostalgia factor because it just cut watching the trailer felt like a time capsule from 1998 and i was like wait it's 2022 what is this yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and yeah. I'm about it. I gotta say, I'm about it. So mm-hmm. there will be many explosions. Yeah, and many Jake Gyllenhaal, I, I think, has potential to be uh, to shine in a movie like this too. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so I'm excited to check out Ambulance. All right, 
Now, I saved this one to this point, but it just cannot go any further without talking about the unbearable weight yes. of massive talent. Yes. yes. <laughs> this is on my list too, obviously. This has to be. There is no there is no earthly way that this is a, a movie you don't go see. The unbearable <laughs> weight of massive talent comes out April 22nd. And this is a movie where Nicolas Cage is playing, wait for it, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. About time. Nicholas Cage is playing a washed up Nicholas Cage who is so desperate for money, he accepts a million dollar offer to a birthday party to show up at a birthday party for a Mexican billionaire uh, played by Pedro Pascal. And then things take a wild turn as Nick is forced to become a version of some of his most iconic and beloved characters in order to extricate his wife and daughter from a fan of the notorious drug lord. So you have Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage, being desperate for money, and then having to play all of his best roles in the movie. How can you not go see this? How is this not already like, like the Oscar nominations just have to be flowing for this one. I cannot wait. Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. Yes. Is the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yes. And if he does not say, I'm going to take his face off in this movie, yes. Yes. I'm going to be very disappointed. Yes. And there must be lines from The Rock in there, too. Yes. There have to be. Oh, Oh, man. I can't wait. I can't wait for this. It's going to be incredible. Yes. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Nicholas Cage is, is finally playing the role he was born to play. Yes, and I'm I'm interested to see uh, Pedro Pascal in another, uh, I guess, somewhat big role here. Obviously, we saw his character in uh, Wonder Woman '84, and um, some people really thought it was great. Some people didn't think it was great. So <laughs> I'm interested in seeing the range of him as an actor. See what he can bring to this character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, an, uh, one for me, too, that I think might be one you're looking forward to. If not, I know you'll go see it. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion, mm. which is the conclusion of the Jurassic movies. We all know it's not the conclusion. <laughs> there'll, there'll be like 30 more by the time it's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, bring, bring back... Uh, Sam Lorger, Jeff Goldblum, bringing back a lot of the old characters. I'm very um, much looking forward to what they do, bring those people together with Chris Pratt, etc., from the new um, trilogy of movies. So we'll see what happens. Um, apparently, it's supposed to take five years, take place five years after the most recent Jurassic um, World movie. Um, so we'll see Jurassic Park and Jurassic World collide. Uh, we know there's going to be some epic dinosaur battles mm-hmm. and man, I, I'm excited to see Jeff Goldblum's character back. Cause I, I really love his character in the Jurassic park movie. So oh, yeah. yeah, see, I, I, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm very curious about how they'll tie all this together because I think when they, 
I think when they started the new series, there obviously there was an understanding of and recognition of the Jurassic Park movies because in one of the early scenes, one of the guys in the control room of the new Jurassic <laughs> World area is wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you know, people died there, right? <laughs> so, so, like, they referenced it, but I don't know if they, the plan was ever to go this way, mm-hmm. to bring everything together and kind of make it cohesive. So I'm very, very, uh, like I said, curious. I think this is the only word, inquisitive. We got to use bigger vocabulary. I'm inquisitive about what's going to happen with uh, this writing here. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it has the potential to be really good, the potential to be really lame. So we'll see. Yeah, and that's really the factor, isn't it? Like, it was really, they really didn't have another idea for uh, after Fallen Kingdom. And I think they were kind of played out on that front. So it will be interesting to see what they can get out of this. Um, always, always enjoy, you know, some dinosaurs getting loose, creating havoc, eating a few people. You know, just just good family fun. So people are delicious if you're a dinosaur. <laughs> Indeed. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but it's yeah, it should be it should be fun and interesting. And you are right about Jeff Goldblum. Excellent, excellent character. Mm-hmm. And uh, look forward to seeing that for sure. All right. So my next one on the list is sixty-five. Uh, it's the sci-fi thriller that stars Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt. And in this story, he is an astronaut who crash lands on a mysterious planet and discovers he's not alone. Interesting. Uh, Sam Raimi is also involved in this film. And uh, this is done by the writers of A Quiet Place. They will direct it. Uh, so anything that's going to that's gonna do like major sci-fi, different planet, uh, Adam Driver, I think, is a great actor. And any any sort of kind of sci-fi mystery thriller space venture right up my alley. So I'm absolutely on board with this one. Uh, I look forward to hopefully a really good uh, sci-fi epic. So uh, I believe you have one more, right? Uh, uh, I think that was it because okay. we overlapped on the unbearable weight of massive talent. Okay. Well, I will throw one more out there and we can we can talk about this. Uh, I had to go with one of the superhero movies. And so of the superhero movies, the one I'm most excited about is Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, yeah. Uh, for reasons we've talked about, the cast is going to be fantastic. YTD's back to direct. Um, and what he did with Thor Ragnarok was just fantastic. And I hope we get some more of that uh, YTD magic. And uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to Thor: Love and Thunder more more so than pretty much any of the other superhero movies coming out. Thor: Love and Thunder is where it's at. And given that Christian Bale is who he is, I think there's every chance that he may have actually transformed into a real alien for this. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> very true, very true. All right, well that's a that's a good preview for you uh, about movies coming out this year. Uh, so now we don't have to spend a lot of time on our next story, but I thought it was kind of interesting. And Tom Cruise apparently uh, via video 
met with the Ohio State Marching Band. Now, how did this come about, you may say? Well, on, uh, I think it's November, uh, November 11th or something like that, the uh, University of Ohio State, or Ohio State University, I should say, and get that order right, Marching Band did one of their epic halftime shows, uh, which they are known for with their interesting, crazy creations, uh, performed a Top Gun themed halftime show. And the band uh, throughout the the show uh, morphed into everything from like the Top Gun wording, the logo, Maverick. Um, they they played, they did two guys playing volleyball, which was particularly impressive. Uh, and they created a, uh, a jet fighter and then flew it, which was really fantastic. Um, but as a result of this, Tom Cruise got wind of it and decided that he was very, very impressed and he was going to do something for them. So he has invited the entire marching band to a special screening of Top Gun Maverick, whenever that comes out here, along with uh, sending them T-shirts that bears the film's logo. And he sent them a letter and uh, a video message, uh, basically thanking them uh, for their excellent work. they played uh, part of this. They played some of the hits, like a medley from some of the hits, playing with the boys, Mighty Wings, Danger Zone, Take My Breath Away. Uh, it's about a nine-minute performance. We'll link to that one, too. It's really cool. Did you get a chance to see it? I have not had a chance to see it yet, but I am looking forward to it. It is It is quite fascinating. Like, they, uh, the rocket ship in particular is really interesting because uh, – they actually, the level of detail they went to, like they had the canopy open when it first starts out, then they close the canopy. Then uh, they have some people with like uh, some smoke bombs and they start shooting smoke out of the back of the rocket. And then the wheels, the wheels of the jet come up. It's really interesting. Uh, they did a fantastic job of it. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Not that I ever want to give props to any Ohio State product but <laughs> it is what it is i guess <laughs> all right uh so any other any other thoughts on this this is i just thought this was really interesting that uh that tom cruise would take the time to do that yeah I think that's really awesome that he would um go out his way to do that especially uh doing the advanced screening for them that's that's a really cool thing that i'm sure they'll always remember whoever's involved with that yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Rob. Are you ready to play a game? To fail miserably at a game. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. All right. So this game comes to us uh, via an idea I had when I was running, actually, believe it or not. And it is the biggest releases from the month of January. So how this is going to work is I will give you a list of the five. Let's do five. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah. The five biggest opening weekend releases in the month of January. And then your job will be to put them in order. How about that? 
All right. So are you ready? Do you have something? Do you need to write them down or anything? Uh, I think I'm good. I just, okay. If there's only five, I've got a pen here. Please. Okay. All right. So uh, one of the movies is Avatar. All right. All right. Another one is American Sniper. Now, is this how much they made overall or just in the month of January? It's j- actually, it's just their top weekend in the okay. month of January. Okay. So their opening weekend box office numbers uh, for the month of January. So who had the biggest single individual weekends in the month of January? All right. So uh, we had Avatar. We had American Sniper. We have Bad Boys for Life. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And Ride Along. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go number five. Can you give them to me one more time? Yes, I can. Uh, the movies are... Avatar, American Sniper, Star Wars Episode 7, Force Awakens, Bad Boys for Life, and Ride Along. All right, I'm going to guess um, fifth, Ride Along, fourth, American Sniper, third, Bad Boys for Life, second, The Force Awakens, first, Avatar. Okay. So that is your list. The actual numbers. The top grossing opening weekend ever for the month of January. Star Wars, Episode 7, The Force Awakens at 90 million. It did 90 million the uh, New Year's weekend. Uh, number two on this list, uh, opening January 16th, 2015, American Sniper. American Sniper came in number two at 89, a little over 89 million. Uh, number three was Avatar, January 1st, 2010, uh, $68 million for that particular weekend. Uh, number four, Bad Boys for Life, uh, January 17th, 2020. And uh, that, came, that came out to $62 million. And number five, January 17th, 2014, Ride Along at $41 million. I think uh, a little, there's a little trick there because Av- Avatar, obviously, we know made ridiculous amount of money. Yes. Overall, but it had more staying power, I think, than almost any movie ever. <laughs> yes. So when you think about how much money it made, you, th- you, I mean, at least I was like, oh, that would be top, obviously. But um, it was more due to its longevity and how word of mouth and how, how much it spread and people kept going to see it and going to see it. Yeah, it had a very long run. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not surprised it was The Force Awakens. That would have been my uh, as I as I had that number two. 
Um, yeah. I thought it was be close. I'm, I am surprised by American Sniper being second. I knew it do well, did well. I did not remember it doing that well. Yeah. And it's interesting because some of these movies had, because it's just about like the top gross of the weekend, uh, the list that I had. Uh, American Sniper actually had the number two and number four best weekends in January. Because it's, it's second weekend did $64 million. And Avatar had the third, sixth, and seventh. And Force Awakens had the first and the, and the eighth. So some of these had multiple movies. So technically, like Ride Along was the number fifth movie, but it was the number ninth overall weekend. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. But that's a, that's a pretty good guess because between Avatar and Star Wars, they're two of the highest grossing movies of all time. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to cook something up for you for next time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go on. Let's close out with our watch list. Movies that we watched over the last week and our review of it. Rob, what did you watch the last week? Uh, I didn't see a whole lot, but one movie I did watch um, again. Actually, there are a couple movies I watched again. Um, the first, uh, we'll start with the uh, okay one, and that was Space Jam New Legacy, <laughs> which I okay. watched with my kids on New Year's Day. We watched that with uh, my kids and our friends, uh, Keith and Jen and their son, Ethan, New Year's evening. Um I do think that they did a pretty good job with this movie. I don't think it's fantastic in any stretch. Um, but Michael Jordan couldn't act, so <laughs> James can't act isn't really much of an insult because neither could Michael Jordan. And the, these movies aren't really about them acting. Uh, it's just the fact that they're basketball players. Um, I do like how they incorporated some more of the Looney Tunes in the new version. And I like how they incorporated some of the properties other properties from Warner Brothers too. I thought there was some clever use of that. Um, like like the original, like the original. They're not great movies. The original obviously has a lot of nostalgia factor because it came out when we were kids. Um, so I always like the original more. But this movie is definitely decent, worth watching if you have kids for sure. And then the other one that I rewatched for the first time in a while was 1917. Hmm. I watched that with uh, my friend Keith. And he had not seen it yet. And the reason why we went and watched the reason why we watched that is because we had recently gone to see the Kingsman in the theater. And there were some scenes in that movie that were reminiscent, um, like the trench warfare idea um, that's like pervading 1917. So just seeing those scenes made me want to see this movie again. And man, man, is this movie good? Yes, it is. I can't get over how good it is. Uh, the way it draws you in. I've seen this movie, I think, 10 times at least. Hmm. Every single time I've seen this movie, without fail. Um, and I even said this to Keith before we watched it, and it, it, it ended up being true. The movie ends, and I'm like, was that five minutes? <laughs> it's just like it draws you in. So it's over two hours long, but it draws you in and keeps your attention. It really does. So, Focused on things that it just—it seems like it starts and then it's over. Yeah. Um, the the tension that is built by the music and how they scored it, how they have this soft music playing in the background, how it builds, and you're expecting something to happen that nothing happens. Um, 
which they do a couple times. It's just really, really well executed. Mm-hmm. And the cinematography is something that yeah. is, is mind blowing how they did how they did this because it really does feel like just one long shot that you're just following this guy this entire movie it's uh, uh, it's really an i i think that um sam mendes and um who, who did the who directed the photography movie uh roger deakins yeah, Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins. I think this will be like the movie they're remembered the most for. Probably um, both of them, at, because it is just it's stunning. Honestly, yeah, yeah it's incredible. I've never seen another movie like it. I don't know if I will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I uh, I rewatched The Green Knight, and this is interesting. I ended up buying it on. Black Friday, because uh, I got it on sale. And it was a movie, it was interesting because I wasn't sure the first time I watched it if I actually liked it. But I went ahead and bought it anyway because I'm like, I just really want to see this movie again. And after watching it a second time, I've decided I like it. It's weird. It's not a perfect movie. And there are definitely things where you're, where you're like, why did they do this? Uh, they could have done this better. But ultimately, like, it's just so compelling. It's so interesting. It's so compelling. It's got that typical, like, A24, like, bizarre oddness to it. Uh, but it's just really engaging. And some of the moments, some of the settings and scenery, and just, like, you're constantly under the feeling of unease throughout the entire movie, which is uh, really kind of a hallmark of A24 movies. But some of the, some of the just like the shots where it's just like lonely woods really just create a major atmosphere. It's, it's something. Have you seen this? I've not seen it, but um, I love A24, so I'm probably going to have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely worth seeing just to at least get someone else's opinion on it. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's something else. Let me tell you. Um, the other one I watched was, uh, uh, fantastic beasts and where to find them. I had seen it one time before, but I thought like, you know what? I know there's a new one coming out, which is one of the movies that we didn't talk about. It's coming out this year. Um, I think it's the secret of secrets of Dumbledore, which is the third in the kind of the fantastic beasts series. Uh, the second one being the crimes of Grindelwald. Um, it's okay. It, it, it plays heavily off the nostalgia from uh, Harry Potter. It doesn't have much of anything to do with the Harry Potter stories other than it exists within the same original. But yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's good enough. That's what I would say. It's not, there's not a whole lot to it, but it's interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much my thoughts having seen it the time yeah. I did. Um, I don't think I've seen the second one, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm watching these now. Have you seen the second one, Crimes of Grindelwald? What do you think? Um, I I thought that uh, I I actually liked the first one a little bit more, but okay. 
I think it is good to see the story. It'll be, um, I'm not sure how they're going to handle the whole Johnny Depp not being involved thing, how that's going to play out and what it will mean for the movie itself. So I'll have to see how that all goes. Um, it has the potential to be kind of a train wreck. So I guess we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, Rob, you got anything else? All right. Well, that is the show, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, make sure you check out filmforfans.com uh, to rate the podcast, like, subscribe, do all that stuff, and tell your friends about it. Until next time, enjoy the movies. <laughs>